right, good morning, folks. Hopefully you can hear me. We got a <laughs> we got a business continuity plan in full action right now. Let me know if you can hear me. Let me know if you can see me. Let me know what is going on. Welcome to Simply Cyber. Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. Unusual throwback to the original First Things First studio look. This is episode 388 of June 15th, 2023. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matt McDaniel, Kerry Chison, Tuki Vang, we're gonna be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, as you can see. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're gonna get value from the stream, I guarantee it. Um, <clears throat> please uh, disregard the look and feel. Usually this is a little bit more of a professional setup and situation, but uh, I'll show you a jaw jacking what I sat down to this morning. Uh, sat down with my cup of coffee, feeling all good. Oh, it's Thursday, it's meme of the week. Let's see what Dan Rudin brings up. Ooh, that's a good meme of the week. Ooh, let me get my studio ready. What? What is this messed up situation I'm looking at? All right, old school. You know, you got you can't be afraid to break the glass and uh, go with a uh, disaster recovery plan. So we're gonna go through all that today, but before I jump into that, let me welcome you and thank you, stream sponsors, uh, for supporting the channel in any form or fashion that it is. Guys, I wanna introduce you to Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping uh, businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below, but really you wanna go down here to the calendar and get on Eric Taylor's calendar. A 15 minute call can save you tens of thousands of dollars and sleepless nights, believe that. Also wanna say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, Panopsi Security, who do uh, continue to support the channel in every form or fashion that it manifests itself in. Brandon Poole and the team at Panopsi Security can deliver quantified risk assessments to you and your team uh, with unbelievable quality and uh, timeliness. A quantified risk assessment is going to look at your people, process, and technology and give you a fact-based report that you can use to develop a one to three year roadmap plan that will actually really reduce cyber risk at an affordable uh, resource respectful way. A quantified risk assessment is an absolute banger of an investment. Believe that. Thank you so very, very much. If you are here on Team Live, don't tell the Team Replay people about what this stream looks like. Hashtag Team Live in chat. Know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, even one that looks like this, is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Get that credit for the CPE. If you're watching on replay, surprise! Uh, we can do it this way, old school too. I think I'm just gonna, I'm so butthurt right now about the look of this stream that um, I'm not gonna let it go. I'm not gonna be cool about it. I'm going to lose my mind about it. So, um, hashtag team replay in chat. I saw a bunch of comments yesterday uh, on team replay, thank you. I saw some people with some uh, feedback on how to fix the audio. Uh, some people who do audio for the church, thank you very much. Uh, I'll definitely uh, take everybody's um, feedback and, and constructive uh, feedback to help me out uh, to make the show better. I do strive every day, even though you might look at this stream right now and say I don't, I do strive every day to make this um, a good looking professional quality stream. So cheers, cheers everybody. If you got here late or you're gonna leave early, hashtag team hybrid. 
We're happy to have you both live and on replay. That's absolutely perfectly cool. And then my favorite, uh, my new favorite. Okay, so if you're if you are shy, if you're in the chat, normally 165 of you. What's up? 165 of you. Uh, if you're normally in the chat and you don't say anything, hashtag passive observer is a great way to be your first chat comment. Step into the light of professional networking. See what happens when you say hashtag passive observer. I guarantee you, you'll be welcomed by some very nice people who will welcome you with open arms. Um, can we get some 80s music or 70s to go old school? <laughs> yeah, Lyle, uh, we can do that, actually. You know what, that's a really good call. Hold on, let's do that. Let's blow up the copyright. Um, here. It lacks a certain energy, Lyle, but we'll go with it. All right, guys, and if it's your first time on the show, hashtag first timer, I really, really, uh, or hashtag team first timer, I don't care. I do love seeing new people in the channel. Uh, if you see someone come on in, welcome them to the stream, please. Oh, it's so good. All right, it is Thursday. We got meme of the week coming up, so stay tuned for that. I saw it. It's a banger. It really does speak to the... Uh, um, to the community. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do have chat up on the side here, so don't sweat that. Terrence Green and hashtag Passive Observer. What's up, Terrence? Let me give you a, a wow. Feel the funk. Kelly Ocporo. Hey, what's up, Kelly? Good to see you in chat. Get my TikTok on. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I think that's it for the morning uh, opening read. Yeah, it is. Okay, so. Guys, do me a favor, sit back, relax. We're gonna get into the uh, top news of the day. I didn't even have a chance to make sure that the feeds all looked good, but we'll be all right. Oh, nice, cold brewed haircut fish, I love it. All right, guys, sit back and relax, and let's let the uh, cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. One second. Wasn't ready for that. And we'll do some more throwback funk later. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Let me know if the audio is good on the podcast, please. It's Thursday, June 15th, 2023. China linked APT group spotted exploiting a VMware ESXi zero day. Researchers at Mandiant have observed a China linked cyber espionage group tracked as UNC3886 exploiting a VMware ESXi zero day vulnerability tracked as CVE2023 20867. They first detailed the activity of the group in September of 2022 when they discovered a novel malware persistence technique within VMware ESXi hypervisors. As investigations into the group's activity continued into 2023, Mandiant discovered that the attacker utilized the zero-day vulnerability to execute commands and transfer files to and from guest VMs from a compromised ESXi host without the need for guest credentials. Yeah. They state in their report, quote, the vulnerability does not generate an authentication log event on the guest VM when commands are executed from the ESXi host, end quote. Okay, okay, so a couple things. Um, one, you know, let's, let's give some love for the uh, infographic, okay? Let, let's give some love for the infographic. Um, what would be a good, 
I, I don't have a good love one, I guess. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on this one. Hold on. I think it makes sense for me to do to do this, like when I do my analysis. Or may, does it make sense to do this? I, th I think it makes sense to go like this, right? Um, okay, so I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on the um, VMware ESXi chassis uh, attack um, by this Chinese advanced uh, state-sponsored threat actor, simply because go back to yesterday's stream, the one that had like the actual professional look to it, and you'll see um, I, I actually gave an entire like two-minute um, overview on what ESXi chassis are and why they work in modern infrastructure and stuff like that. The, the TLDR from this one is that the ESXi chassis is being compromised, and if it's being compromised, then any VM uh, servers that are sitting inside the chassis, right? Think of it as like, um, do I have one of these things, right? Okay, right. Think of it like this, guys. Hold on one second. I got a great visual example, okay? You've got like a, this is like a multi-battery you know, battery charger, right? You plug it in, and then you can charge multiple batteries, right? Okay? This is for my camera, okay? This is the chassis, basically. It has all the, the infrastructure and the components for you know, power and resource allocation. This battery is a VMware server. This other battery is a VM server. VM server, right? Virtual server. That's what the chassis is. This is the chassis part, okay? Now, what they're saying in the story is, if a threat actor can compromise this, then they can log up into the VM server without the VM server um, capturing any type of log or telemetry that there's being activity done on it. And basically, if you think about it, it's like the call's coming from inside the house. Like that's the equivalent of it. You've compromised the actual foundation. And of course, when you compromise the foundation, you can get up and do stuff. It's the same thing with operating systems. If you can get root access or system access and get into the kernel, you can do things above the kernel in user land just the same. It's like it, it, there's a very close parallel here where the ESXi is like kernel land and the VM servers are user land. Uh, and again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's like operating system stuff. But my point is if you can burrow down into the base, then you can come up into the VM servers and, you know, no one will know the difference. Okay. So that's the deal with that. Again, it's a zero day. It's being tracked with the CVE. I don't know what VMware's response has been, whether or not they've offered a. Um, a patch or some type of workaround. Um, it looks like it was introduced in a September 2022 build, so the vulnerability has been around for a little bit. There is a pretty sweet infographic, but uh, just looking at it quickly, it's it's more <laughs> it's more sizzle, not a lot of flavor. If you if you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? Let me show you this infographic. Right, a lot of sizzle, not a lot of taste. Okay, it's huge. But basically, all it's saying is, if you get into the uh, if you get into the V center and get over to the hypervisors, you can get into the VMs. Like, okay, thanks, thanks. All right, let's keep rolling. Thousands of e-commerce sites impacted by critical plugin vulnerability. A critical vulnerability in the WooCommerce Stripe Payment Gateway plugin, tracked as CVE 2023-34000, is described as an unauthenticated, insecure direct object reference bug, leading to information disclosure. The flaw allows an unauthenticated attacker to view any information that a user provides when placing an order, including name, address, and email address. 
The issue was resolved on May 30th with the release of WooCommerce Stripe Payment Gateway version 7.4.1, but according to the official WordPress web store, the plugin has more than 900,000 active installations, and hundreds of thousands of them could be vulnerable to attacks based on available version use data. Seven. All right, all right. So here's the deal, okay? Guys, <laughs> okay. So WordPress widespread. We've talked about it multiple times on the channel. This WooCommerce Stripe, excuse me, payment gateway plugin. I swear to God, we talk about that almost as often as we talk about QNAP and Zixel. And that's just like this look and feel of this stream today. That's an old school reference. That's a, that's a deep cut pull for those who have been with the channel for a while. Like QNAP, like for a, for a minute there was like all over the place, but QNAP, Zixel, and now, um, WooCommerce for the WordPress plugin. So here's the deal. I am responsible at this point now, uh, one of my environments that I'm responsible for does have WordPress. One of the environments I'm responsible for does run Stripe. So I am actually taking a, a note right now, WordPress, Word, uh, WooCommerce, um, confirm with devs, okay? So this is a real deal. If you have WordPress in your environment and you are taking payments, you should take a note here and say, like, I should follow up. And this is less about sending this to the developers or the IT people and saying, hey, look at this. This is interesting. And it's more like, bro, like, there's an active um, exploit of this WordPress plugin. Are we running it? Yes or no. If not, can we get it fixed? Yes or no. If not, why? Period. End of story. Also, uh, and I make this mistake all the time, you know, full disclosure. It's, it's one thing to say, do we run this? Can we fix it? Yes or no. If you want to be actually thorough, you should say, can we look back at um, telemetry or log data or audit uh, information to see if there's been any malicious activity already on the box? When, when you walk up to a machine like a, uh, like a WordPress server because of a story like this, right, the WordPress WooCommerce, when you walk up on this thing, I'm not saying assume compromise, but you should be thinking, like, has this been compromised, right? You want to fix it, but you also want to have some level of assurance that it hasn't been popped yet. And um, get ready for some sleepless nights, blue teamers. You can't prove a negative, right? So you, you, you're, ne you're never going to definitively say it hasn't been popped, right? Because it could have been popped and then logs cleaned up, things, things you know, uh, scrubbed. A wicked sophisticated threat actor was able to, like, you know, maneuver and laterally pivot and all this other crap, right? So you're never going to get 100% confidence, but you can have a high level of confidence that it has been compromised, right? So don't sleep on... Yeah, exactly, Alex Goodwin. Um, don't sleep on at least a little bit of due diligence to look at the uh, system itself, especially when this story says that there's hundreds of thousands of uh, websites impacted by the vulnerability. Um, did it say exploit in here? Okay, so it, it says an attacker can exploit the bugs. So. Maybe, maybe you don't go too hard into the due diligence because it's not reported that it's being actively exploited. Again, like if it's being actively exploited, then your level of effort and level of investigation should increase uh, because there's evidence to support that they're being popped, right? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> For Ace Ventura fans there. Nation Lockbit report shows U.S. paid over $90 million in ransoms since 2020. Seven nations, the US, Australia, Canada, the UK, Germany, France, and New Zealand jointly issued an alert yesterday which included protection tips and information about Lockbit. 
The advisory includes details of common tools and exploits used by the criminals, along with recommendations to avoid ransomware infections and to reduce the impact of future ones. It adds that the group's affiliates remain a global scourge, costing U.S. victims alone more than $90 million from roughly 1,700 attacks since 2020. The alert does not encourage payment of ransoms, but does urge that ransomware incidents be reported. Yeah, okay. So Lockbit is a rampant um, threat actor, uh, ransomware actor group. Part of the reason that they're so rampant is because they are ransomware as a service. If you don't know what this is, basically any, any Carl, Carl can sign up with Lockbit, not really have to understand what they're doing. Lockbit will host the infrastructure, the malware payloads, the transaction for the ransom, the data exfil. Like basically Lockbit ransomware as a service is a complete turnkey solution. So anybody with even like the, the, the minimum level of technical acumen can sign up as an affiliate. And all you gotta basically do is use your creds to whatever systems you have and infect and the Lockbit ransomware gang will take it from there. Essentially, this is the equivalent of giving like the night security guard 10% of whatever you steal from the jewelry store and you walk up to the jewelry store wearing like your dead president's masks or whatever and the security guard just like opens the door, lets you in and then says, I'm gonna go for a smoke break, Johnny, and then like wanders away. Then you rob the crap out of the place, get back into the windowless van, peel out into the night and then the security guard comes back, like stubs out his butt, and then he's like, oh, we've been robbed. Oh, red alert. Oh, I wish I had my Metal Gear solid sound effect. Like, I guess I'll do that manual too, right? This is what ransomware uh, affiliate as a service. Now, look at the current in, uh, society, guys. There's a massive wealth equity dispar uh, um, a dispar disparity. There are um, AI replacing people's jobs in some capacity. Um, major big tech companies are laying off middle management. Um, inflation's way up, at least in the United States. I don't know what it looks like globally. But anyways, people are being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? People are being stressed and pushed into tough situations, right? Uh, thank you, uh, Goodwin. So what, what this, this is like a perfect storm, okay? Like on top of rising costs and the ease of committing this crime, right? Lockbit has made it a turnkey solution to be a ransomware threat actor. On top of all that, you're also getting this, this pressure being pushed down. So like if this, if this pretend this, this space right here is society, right? And like only the top 10% would be, or this 10% margin would be ones who'd be willing to commit crimes. Well, this other like 40% right here, are people who are being pushed into situations where they have kids to feed or they have bills or you know they're just getting crushed by the man or whatever, right? Being pushed into a situation, and this is an entire like uh, category of criminal, people who wouldn't necessarily do it, people who are not morally bankrupt, but when given an option between like letting my kids starve or sleeping on the street or being able to fix my situation, you know, you'll you'll put those you'll put those um, ethical you you'll redefine what your ethical boundaries are, um, because you can justify the righteousness of the greater good, right? If you were starving and you stole a sandwich from a store, you probably wouldn't feel too bad because you're like, this isn't who I really am, but this is who I need to be right now. Okay, this is why Lockbit is so freaking ramp rampant right now, because there's that target-rich population, and then on top of it, there is. Um, 
like the lockpit makes it wicked easy. Okay, as they said, ninety million dollars since twenty twenty. They are um, making making uh, making bank. Uh, I also want to point out that CISA. Can we do a little bit of Jen Easterly love here? Where's my Jen Easterly? Just because we don't have cool graphics today doesn't mean we can't throw Jen Easterly some love. Um, I just want to point out that CISA does offer up a mini manual to identify, stop, and report lockpick activity. It basically says don't pay the ransom. Like, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Hackers create fake GitHub profiles to deliver malware through repositories. According to research published on Wednesday by cybersecurity company Volncheck, hackers launched an elaborate campaign to deceive cybersecurity professionals on the code hosting platform GitHub, trying to trick them into downloading malware. The group created fake profiles of real security researchers to promote code repositories that appear to house exploits for popular products like Chrome, Exchange, and Discord. According to Volncheck, the threat actors behind these repositories have invested substantial effort into making them appear authentic, creating a network of Twitter accounts, and masquerading as members of a fictitious company called High Sierra Cybersecurity. They even used headshots of genuine researchers employed by major cybersecurity companies. All right. Um... All right. I'm just reading this story really quickly because I think there's a couple dimensions to it. Okay, so check this out. This is interesting. Um, this is interesting. So basically the TLDR here is anyone can create a GitHub repo, right? And just like some jackass, or sorry, some, some jack wagon. Sorry, Kennedy. Sorry, baby base case. Sorry. Uh, all of the youngins that we we actually guys the simply cyber community does have several uh, under ten year old um, members uh, who join us for team live and team replay so children uh, thank you for being here we appreciate your uh, your your community effort uh, and I apologize for uh, cussing okay so check it out some jack wagons it, it it's easy to create a fake profile right I can go on GitHub right now and create a you know Patrick Wardle account and I can right click and save because NFTs weren't that special. I can right-click and save Patrick Wardle's headshot, and I can create a fake-looking Patrick Wardle GitHub page. Threat actors are doing this, okay? Um, and I, I got angry at the beginning of this story because somebody did it to my account on Discord server the other day, which is annoying. Okay, so, um, and what they're doing is they're posting malware onto these GitHub repos, and they're saying that their exploits are payloads, right? So what happens is social engineering, um, you know, Samantha S is like, oh, cool, like, look at this. Uh, like, Samantha's doing bug bounty stuff, and she's like, oh, cool, like, look at this payload. I'll download it and check it out to increase my ability to do IDOR or cross-site scripting payloads or whatever it is, right? And in reality, you're compromising uh, yourself because you're downloading malware. Now. I also want to point out that these threat actors are actually pretty clever for a couple reasons. If you think about the richness of the target as a security researcher, one, a security researcher is going to have their defenses up a little bit better, but I would argue that you're almost like, uh, like blind a little bit because you are so knowledgeable on security, information security and security research that you're like, oh, this is Patrick Wardle. What, like, let me look at this payload, right? You're not really thinking, you're clicking right through, kind of like Carl. Two, 
you're not really going to um, question it because there's a little bit of social engineering. Like people know Patrick Wardle, people know uh, Nahamsak, people know Ipsec, Tom Nom Nom, right? Like these major people. So it's not outrageous. Now, the final thing I want to point out, because you might be like, well, you know, aren't they going to show that the code GitHub is a brand new GitHub and there isn't a lot of uh, code commits and stuff like that? I want to point this out. Um, so I've been watching the Homsec's uh, YouTube channel, and if you haven't seen it, uh, someone please um, uh, drop a link if you could to Nahamsek's YouTube channel. But um, he does a lot with bug bounty and stuff like that. Plus, he's going to be my guest on July 6th on Simply Cyber Live if you're interested in, in uh, coming over for that. And he was saying that a lot, like he was giving a lecture on how to be a good bug bounty hunter. And one of the key things he said was try to understand what the actual vulnerability is, whether it's cross-site scripting or it's, you know, cross-site request forgery or whatever. Like if you find something, try to get that. He was saying a lot of people, and this is my point, he said a lot of people like to uh, just say, give me the payload, right? So like if I post like, oh, hey, I popped, you know, Office Depot um, and I got a $25,000 bounty, apparently, because I don't run in these circles, apparently a lot of people will message that person and say, what was the payload? What was the payload? What was the payload? Because they just want the answer to the solution so maybe they can like work it backwards and see if they can get that payload to fire somewhere else. And Nahamsek's point was, don't just try to get the payload. Don't let me give you a fish. Understand how to fish yourself, right? Understand why the payload works, what the vulnerability is that's being exploited. And I think because of this level of interest, since he said so many people do it, I'm thinking that the threat actors are thinking, hey, if we say we got this sick payload, lots of people are gonna jump right on it because it's a, it's a, it, there's a market signal and a market demand for people who want that so we can trick them into downloading this stuff. Uh, it's, it's gross, it sucks. And uh, I'm happy to hear that GitHub, who was you know, bought by Microsoft, who takes information security quite seriously, I, I feel, um, are removing these uh, GitHub pages. But just know, guys, if you are, you know, my God, I almost swore again. If you're messing with GitHub, just be mindful that threat actors are abusing these type of things. So don't sleep on that. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Let's gladly pass the most thankless job in cybersecurity, completing customer security questionnaires, to the AI bots. Conveyor's GPT questionnaire response tool auto-generates precise, accurate answers to entire questionnaires. With accuracy far superior to other tools, you can spend almost zero time reviewing generated answers. There's an in-platform autofill feature or a browser extension for tricky portals. Stop settling for mediocre tools that only provide lousy, near hits from your library. Try a free proof of concept with your own data. You can learn more at www.conveyor.com. That's C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. All right, guys. So um, it's that time. It doesn't matter if our front end is busted. Our back end's looking good. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here. And oh, you know what? I, I do want to class up the background. Let's class up the background a little bit. Ooh, there we go. All right, guys. Want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber and uh, Panopsi. Genuinely appreciate you guys' uh, continued support of the channel. And um, why isn't this like full, full screen? Hmm. Um, that's weird. 
See how I'm full screen? This should also be full screen. That's not full screen, that's weird. All right, um, hey guys, I wanna thank all of you for being here too. Um, oh, perfect, thanks you, thanks Kimberly. Um, guys, do me a quick favor. I know that the, the look and feel is all jacked up today, but hit the like button if you, if you are getting value, entertainment or educational value. It allows us to connect with other people. If you're a first timer here, let me know in chat, hashtag first timer. Believe me, if you are a first timer here, Hold on, let me. Believe me, if you're a first timer here, this is not how the stream normally looks. This is our contingency plan. This is our DR uh, that we're operating in. This is my <laughs> this is my um, my hot site backup that we're operating from. So definitely appreciate that. Want to say um, about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Jesus Christ uh, is currently the baton holder every single day. We do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's basically a grassroots networking initiative to help promote people's uh, social network on LinkedIn, your professional networking. Networking is so, so valuable. Jesus Christ currently holds the baton. Whoever gets the baton next, please go on LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Billy DP, first time. Welcome, Billy. Um, Go ahead, Simply Cyber Community Challenge on LinkedIn. Connect with the people talking. Connect with the people who are in the comments. Comment yourself and connect with all of them. Okay, and uh, Zizis isn't here right now, so I'm gonna tag somebody. Oh boy, uh, let's see who we could tag. Um, let's see, uh, give me a second, guys. Any volunteers, I suppose? Matthew Necci, my man, good to see you. All right, hold on. So we're doing the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Can I get a volunteer? Can I get a witness? Has James McQuiggan, James McQuiggan, have, have you been the Simply Cyber Community Challenge baton holder? James McQuiggan regularly supports the channel. Let me see if James is in here. Thanks, Shane. Let me see if James is in here really quick. He's done a lot, I don't see it. All right, Shane Himes it is, Shane Himes. Shane Himes, you got the baton. All right, thanks so much, Shane Himes, for continuing to do it. Let's go, Nick, I see you. We'll get you next time, friend. All right. So guys, the final thing I'll say, every single day of the week, we do a special, we do a special uh, activity, and today is no different. Today is Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish, um, in chat right now. He makes a custom meme for the community and today is a banger. I don't look at it in advance and I don't. Um, thank you, Samantha S. What, did we just become best friends, Samantha S? Yep. All right, guys, I don't look at it. I don't clear it. It's completely uncensored. There we go. You know how I feel about leaky S3 buckets, everybody. Thank you so much to Haircut Fish, AKA Dan Reardon for his continued support uh, every day. I love this meme, it's so funny. And yes, 100%, I can't stand me an S3 leaky bucket. All right, good stuff. All right, let's get back into the news, everybody. The EU passes landmark Artificial Intelligence Act. The European Parliament adopted the latest draft of the legislation with an overwhelming majority yesterday. 
First introduced in April 2021, the AI Act aims to strictly regulate AI services and mitigate the risk it poses. The first draft, which included measures such as adding safeguards to biometric data exploitation, mass surveillance systems and policing algorithms, preempted the surge in generative AI tool adoption that started in late 2022. This latest draft introduced new measures to control foundational models. These include a tiered approach for AI models from low and minimal risk through limited risk, high risk and unacceptable risk AI practices. Wow. Okay. Cyber. So first of all, shall we play a game? Um, <clears throat> this isn't a surprise. Uh, I'm super pumped about this, honestly. Um, guys, I, I'm definitely firmly in the camp, and it's it's really a conflicting position to be in. I use AI tools like all the time now. Like they're incredibly powerful. They're incredibly valuable. I have like multiple videos on the channel um, around using ChatGPT to basically get a job, get more money at work improve your resume, get interviews, crush an interview, all these things. In fact, I was supposed to release a video today. I'm not going to get into the uh, into the issues that we had with the uh, production. But you know what? It seems very on brand for this week. But I've got a video coming out next Wednesday that will be literally how to use ChatGPT to get you 10% more salary. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Um, it, it, it should have been delivered um, this week, but we had some issues with the editors. Um, anyways, I'm super pumped. This, this does need regulation, okay? And I know people are going to be like, don't stifle my innovation, Jerry. Like, get, like get, stop yelling at clouds and get off my lawn. Like, you're, you're slowing things down. I've got a lot of thoughts. If you want, we could talk about it at jawjacking because I don't want to make this like a soapbox moment. But just know that the EU has passed AI um, regulations, and it's going to be making it uh, transparent, uh, content machine readable, interfaces uh, user friendly and accessible, open. Um, you know, people aren't going to be able to be developing this like in, in um, closed, closed, you know, dark corners and stuff like that. Although people are still going to do it. Um, also, this is the first major kind of like first world power. That is, um, this is the first major first world power that's putting some regulation. Lots of countries have been talking about it, but I think that they're also like two-fisted, running around um, like a tripod, um, excited about the all the benefits of AI, which rightly so, but there's a lot of abuse cases too. So they have been quick to not really put um, a lot of emphasis on regulating it, just kind of talking about it. Also, I want to point out that if you think about who's going to, like, at least in the United States, politicians require money, right? War chests in order to properly run and defend their uh, incumbent seats and stuff like that. And the people with the money are typically business owners. And typically business owners are making money because of market advantage and product. And I guarantee you, they're using AI. So if you follow the food chain, right, if you follow the supply chain, AI is helping business owners make money. Business owners with money help politicians get elected or stay elected. Politicians who are elected and stay elected are making regulation. Whoop. If I if I if 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 I kneecap the thing that's making you money, right? If I go and kill your golden goose and serve it for dinner, then you're going to be unhappy, which means you're not going to take your money and give it to me, which means I'm not going to get reelected, which means I'm not going to be able to make regulation, which means you see what I'm saying? Like, I know this is a little hyperbolic and oversimplified, but my point is, yeah, 
you got to be careful with that type of stuff. I would imagine the United States, Canada, like all the five eyes country, Australia, um, like, I mean, yeah, five eye countries would probably go and be making regulations sooner than later. I could also imagine, and this is going to sound incredibly cynical, but I can imagine China also passing some regulation, but all, but more from a geopolitical fanfare and, you know, diplomatic gesturing, uh, but continuing to develop in secret. By the way, I also think even with regulation in the United States, the United States federal government, specifically the Department of Defense, would continue to develop AI in ways that may or may not align with whatever regulation is put out there. Just a thought. Yes, thank you, Anthony. That would be cynical, Jerry. I probably should have said, get your, uh, get your cynical Jerry caps on. Um, remind me of jaw jacking. Cash me outside. How about that on jaw jacking time around my thoughts around this? Command reshuffles force expansion. The U.S. military has rearranged a years-long effort to expand the action arm of its top cyber forces, according to multiple sources, as leaders try to balance fighting advanced foreign threats like China with maintaining basic readiness. This includes growing its main warfighting core, known as the Cyber Mission Force, by 14 teams. Four new teams to be provided by the Navy will focus on training the service's existing cyber operators first and not acting as additional cyber warriors as originally intended. This according to multiple military, civilian and congressional sources with direct knowledge of the process. In all, two cyber combat mission teams which conduct digital operations to support U.S. military commands around the world and two combat support teams that aid the combat teams and others will bolster the existing teams and lay the groundwork for future squads with the intention that they will protect computer networks from foreign hackers. All right. Twitter. So I'm sure if there's any U.S. Navy members in chat, I'd be kind of curious. Basically, what I'm gathering from this story uh, and it's a damn shame, honestly. Um, and again, I don't read or hear these stories beforehand. I, this is my first take. This is um, shooting from my hip, if you will, based on what I see and hear. Um, it, it's unbelievable. So the U.S. Navy had like lots and lots of grand ideas around cyber capabilities and cyber warfighters, and they were basically assessed and they received multi-billion dollars, like, so multiple billions, whatever that is, um, and, and they were deemed inadequate. The, the work, the, the, the personnel were deemed inadequate, and that can come from many different reasons, right? The training could have sucked. They could have put people who were not, uh, I don't want to say not talented, but people who would not um, flourish in a cyber operations capability um, they could have been putting someone in and as soon as they completed the training, they like retired or got out of the service or something like that. So there's like multiple reasons, I'm sure. But uh, Marcus Galloway, I mean, does this story surprise you at all? It just to me, this this smacks with mismanagement, right? How are you given <laughs> billions of dollars and years to fix and get cyber operations and cyber warriors in place? and then get audited and be deemed inadequate. It just seems like a hot mess on fire. And I mean, with, with, with how important cyber is right now, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sad, honestly. It's really sad. One thing that they say in the story that I don't understand, okay? So sometimes I, I always like to be very clear with you guys. Like, I don't know everything. So like, when there's things I don't know, I like to point it out. 
They call out the difference here between, they literally say, the four teams in the Navy was tasked to provide as part of the expansion will focus on training the services existing cyber operators first, not acting as additional cyber warriors. I do not understand the difference between cyber operator and cyber warrior. I don't know what the heck a cyber warrior is. A cyber operator has a very specific definition inside the cybersecurity or information security industry. A cyber operator is a forward-facing offensive security, tip of the spear personnel who are typically responsible for executing on a mission. You know, hey, you know, <laughs> Jesus, hey, like the, um, the nuclear uh, uranium enrichment facility at Natanz, we're gonna take that out. Operators do that. Hey, we're gonna send a SEAL team in to take out this target and we need you to put the, take the power down or take the CCTV down or whatever. That's an operator. They are operating in a team like, like it's mission impossible, right? Emilio Estevez before he took some type of like sword structure to the face on top of that elevator at the beginning of Mission Impossible 1. Like he was an operator on a mission. Cyber warrior, I don't know what that definition means. That's not really a thing um, that I've heard of. Um, so anyways, long story short, the, the, this is an important development too, right? A couple years ago, the Department of Defense formally had, you know, Space Force, which is Cyber Space Force, not Outer Space Force. Um, so they've, they've deemed it its own battlefield, which I agree 100%. I say a million times recently, the internet is wicked hostile. So we've got that feature. The NSA for years was basically like a internal consulting firm of cyber practitioners that any DOD branch could like pull from. Like, oh, we got an operation, grab an NSA guy. We got an operation, grab an NSA guy. Now the different branches have their own cyber experts and cyber operators operating within that. And then they, they kind of pair with NSA from time to time, but they have their own warriors for lack of a better term. And the Navy, it sounds like they just bollocksed it and they're being called to task. So hopefully, um, you know, it is what it is. I'd love to see their ROE. What's that? Uh, did you mean ROI, Jess Bishop, or is that a similar definition? Oh, George Jones thinks that cyber warriors would be basically cyber operators, but in uniform. That's a good. Oh, cool. Thank you, guys, George Jones. So, guys, uh, this just in. Coming across the desk right now, uh, George Jones reporting live from chat. Uh, operators are civilian contractors, warriors are uniform personnel, which makes total sense because when I've ever heard operator, it's always NSA operators, right? And NSA is not DOD, um, so that makes total sense. And, and that's probably why the term cyber operator has permeated through our industry because that's kind of wh what was going on. Like even my PhD is in cyber operations. That, like that's the specific discipline that my, my um, my degree is in, um, not cybersecurity. And it was heavily focused in offensive operations. Fun fact, the more you know, or, or Tidbits Tuesday, you may, <laughs> you may not have known <clears throat> what my feature was. Even though I do GRC, um, I, I did get um, formally academically trained in operations. Let's keep going. Is evicted from its Boulder office over unpaid rent. Twitter owes three months' rent to its Boulder landlord, and a judge has signed off on evicting the tech giant from its office there, according to court documents. 
In May, the Chicago-based LLC that owns the offices at 3401 Bluff Street in Boulder took Twitter to court, and on May 31st, the judge issued an order that the sheriff should assist in the eviction of Twitter within the next 49 days. As many as 300 employees once worked in Twitter's Boulder offices, but between layoffs, other firings, and resignations, it is estimated to be less than half of that now. Hackers. All right, hold on one second. Um, a couple things. Matthew Necci saying the more you know. We, we might be able to change it. So the original, there is a Snake Eyes emote. You can see it right here on if you're on YouTube. I just put it in chat on YouTube. The Snake Eyes YouTube uh, emote was supposed to be like, G.I. Joe and knowing's half the battle. That's supposed to be like the more you know. Um, I might change the snake eyes to the, the more you know rainbow with the star on the end. Let me know in chat. Actually, remind me of Jaw Jack and I'll run a poll. We can change the emote. We, we have the tools to, to make this what we want. I do hate snakes. but I do hate snakes, but snake eyes is okay. Just snake eyes is a forward-facing operator. He's in the field. I'm back, I'm the nerd who's like back at HQ, like, you know, hacking through firewalls, rerouting through Friendster, um, <laughs> you know, pale skin, um, weak body. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can, I can uh, make funny things pop up on your phone at inappropriate times and I'm the guy in your ear. That's me, that's this guy. All right, so anyways, back to the story. Twitter getting evicted. Dude, it was just reported yesterday that Twitter wasn't paying their AWS bills. Now Twitter's getting evicted from Boulder office space. Elon, we got Elon emotes. We got Elon emotes in chat. Bro, pay your bill. Like, come on. Like, obviously, since Elon took over, you have to imagine, you have to imagine that it's a conscious decision to not pay, right? Like, when Elon came into power at Twitter, the thing like took a nosedive, right? And he started charging things for like blue check marks and API uh, interfaces and stuff like that just to make money. Um, and now he's got like Twitter Live or whatever. I don't know what he's doing over there, but um, here's my thing. I wonder, I guess tinfoil hat, Jerry, right? If I may, I almost want, because there's not much story here. Twitter's not paying their bills. They're gonna get evicted. Okay, like that's the story. It's embarrassing because Twitter, everybody knows Twitter. Their headquarters are not at Boulder. They just have an office in Boulder. So this isn't going to damage Twitter. It's just embarrassing. I wonder if, if Elon was like, okay, first day, he's like, okay, what can we charge for that we're not, we're not charging for? Well, we can charge for the blue check mark. We can charge for APIs. We can, charge, we can increase the rate for advertising. We can put more ad, you know, ads in, into the streams. Okay, cool, 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 cool. What are we, and this is the next part, what are we currently paying for that we, we could stop paying for? Because that's still increasing your overall profit or revenue margin because you, you're reducing expenses, right? To be a profitable business, you increase your revenue or you lower your expenses. Simple, right? So they're probably like, well, we pay. Actually, dude, this totally makes sense as I'm thinking about it. Do you remember when he first got there and he fired like everybody? Do you remember that? Dude, at any business, the number one expense, like the highest line item on the balance sheet for expenses is labor. Every single business, except for like maybe, no, 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 every single business, right? So he went in, fired a bunch of people, that, that, that made the, the uh, profit margin look better. And now he's looking, he's, he's cut all the fat off and now he's cutting bone 
And he's like, well, let's stop paying rent at these places. What are they going to do, evict us? Am I right? Straight cash, homie. Let, I mean, we should, we should speculate. Like, what else could Twitter not pay? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Probably not pay their fines. You know how they have all these EU fines? Or they, uh, they might have GDPR fines? Not pay those. Yeah, exactly, LegoSec. <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks for being here. We're really excited about the direction we're taking Twitter. You're all fired. Any questions? All right, good. Get out of my office. Thank you. All right. Steal cryptographic keys by video recording power LEDs 60 feet away. Academic research. Researchers have devised a novel attack that recovers the secret encryption keys stored in smart cards and smartphones by using cameras in iPhones or commercial surveillance systems to video record power LEDs that show when the card reader or smartphone is turned on. The attacks enable a new way to exploit two previously disclosed side channels, a class of attack that measures physical effects that leak from a device as it performs a cryptographic operation. By carefully monitoring characteristics such as power consumption, sound, electromagnetic emissions, or the amount of time it takes for an operation to occur, attackers can assemble enough information to recover secret keys that underpin the security and confidentiality of a cryptographic algorithm. Oh, okay. How do you create... All right, so really quickly, where's this research coming from? Ooh, look at this, an animated GIF. And Alana Boyajian, if Alana's in here, she and I go head to head with GIF versus GIF. And I know that this is a thing that um, a lot of people want to fight on, but um, all right. What, what I don't understand, like, I wonder if this is, this, this feels like academic research, by the way, okay? Um, yep, there it is. On Tuesday, academic researchers, dun, dun, dun. Okay. Anyways, like, guys, w with, like, with all due respect, like, yeah, like, keep the academic research going. You're not going to find somebody else more, like, of a champion of higher education um, I have four degrees. Like I've been in school forever. Like I love higher ed. I love what it's doing. I think that the U.S. higher ed system is broken, but that's more of an economic issue than it is about like learning and, and research and pushing boundaries and stuff like that. But whenever there's like an academic research finding or news story, it's like so clearly obvious that it's academic research because a lot of times it's like this hyper controlled scenario that is completely impractical in real life practice, but you know, does something kind of crazy. So long story short, they're able to like basically sniff cryptographic keys, um, you know, from a, from a iPhone camera from 60 feet away. Uh, I don't know Alex Goodman, what, what exactly you mean, but here's the thing. Uh, Anthony, I'll tell you a jaw jacking. Okay, so here's the thing. It's a side channel attack. This, the important thing here to share is like, what is a side channel attack? Because you hear side channel attacks uh, from time to time. I think the row hammer attack was a side channel attack. Uh, certainly, um, I don't, I can't think of any like really famous side channel attacks. But basically, a side channel attack is where something is happening, usually some type of like emanation that you cannot control um, directly from a security control perspective. And in this case, uh, they actually covered in the story, but like in World War II, 
um, you know, like there was some encryption system that the United States and Great Britain had that the Japanese and Germans couldn't break. And cryptographically, the algorithm was secure, but every time they transmitted it, um, some researcher noticed that an oscilloscope, right? So that green bubble thing that's like bloop, bloop, that thing, every time they would transmit something, the oscilloscope would move. And they noticed that like if they sent an A, it would move like this. If they sent a B, it would move like this, C, blah, right? So you'd be able to deduce. Now, that entire system was secure unto itself. The fact that it was emanating a certain frequency each time and the fact that the oscilloscope was able to detect it is why it's a side channel attack, right? You can't, it, it's coming from the side effectively, right? It's not a direct uh, um, weakness that can be expo exploited, right? Um, and in this one, it's a very similar attack. So side channel attacks, they do happen. Um, you know, they're kind of difficult to detect. They're, there are famous ones. I wish I had a good one off the top of my head. I do not. Uh, but if you're interested in some interesting academic research, what I would say is um, the cryptographic key algorithm in this case is still secure. Not the key. The algorithm is secure. It's the key. With any algorithm, okay, with any crypto, the key is what is most important, right? That's why, guys, if you didn't, I mean, think about it for a hot minute. Cryptographic algorithms, the better ones are the publicly scrutinized one, right? Raindoll, the um, Blowfish, RSA, like AES, if, if you know, you guys should know AES if you got SEC plus or SysP, right? AES, you can go download the encryption algorithm. You can look at it. You can test it. You can probe and prod at it. That doesn't mean you can crack it. The key, the key for an encrypted message is the key, right, to, to, to use a word to define a word. Like, that's what's valuable, okay? So if you can crack the key, that's where the thing is. Um, okay, so that is that. Guys, here, let me do this really quickly. Um, I want to remind everybody, if you were here just for the news, um, this, uh, later today, I hopefully will get my setup sorted out in the next um, couple hours. J.J. Davey, the J.J. Davey, is going to be my guest later today. This guy's a sec ops guru. He's a really cool guy. He loves people. He loves helping people. Um, if you know JJ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't know JJ, you're going to want to meet him. He is a British fella, so we might be talking about bangers and mash and, and uh, pints of, of good beer. I don't know. I don't think he's a beer guy, though. In my mind, I think he's a, a red wine guy, but uh, we'll, we'll get that clarified later on today for sure. This is at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time later today, so please come check that out. Um, let me get back to my um, 70s funk mix. Come on. All right, guys. All right, thank you all so much for being here today. Let me do this really quickly. Thank you so much for being here. This has been episode 388, old school throwback of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast due to production issues. You guys have been great. 239 of you here for the end. I appreciate it. If you are a first-timer here, BP and all those uh, first-timers, good times. Let's, uh, let's switch to uh, jaw jacking. How's the uh, audio? Oh, Nahamakon, yeah, let's do that really quickly. Let me see this. 
I'll drop a link in chat. NahamCon starts today. Guys, bug bounties, InfoSec, cyber operations. John Hammond, IPSEC, NahamCon, all bring in the love. Uh, oh, thanks, uh, Senfilis. I'll give you the newsletter update in just a minute. Guys, go check this out. I actually signed up for this. I'm going to check it out uh, later today myself. Jason Haddix is there. Tiberius is there. Dude, this is like a bangers. Uh, Insider PhD is going to be there. Stokes going to be there. Holy crap, dude. This is like a slugger's ball of uh, presentations. Simply CyberCon. Um, the bar has been set, people. This is sick. Look at this. So uh, go check it out. It's a absolutely free virtual offensive security conference. I know that uh, John Hammond has developed the CTF himself uh, in partnership with some other people. So you guys are definitely going to love this. Go check it out. Absolutely going to love it. All right. Hollywood. All right. We drank a whole French press, guys. Nice job. Good job, everybody. All right. Let's talk about the newsletter for a second. If you don't know what the newsletter is, um, every Sunday or every Monday for literally over a year, I don't think you guys realize how often or how long I did the newsletter for. I was sending a newsletter every single Monday with three pieces of actionable intel, one for end users, one for um, your peers, and one for your executives, okay? Thank you, Matthew Necci. And I had, to take a, uh, I had to take a break on it, guys. It was, it was uh, it, I, I, I just have so much going on, and um, I couldn't, you know, I, I find myself like Sunday night, you know, getting wrapped up or whatever, and being like, oh, the newsletter, oh! And then I'd have to like grind on the newsletter. And when I'm doing things that are grind, it, it's really soul sucking. Even though I know it delivers value, I had to put a pause on it because I, I, I didn't have time for it. Well, um, I've recently been contacted by an individual, a longtime community member who I respect, um, and he wanted to work with me on the newsletter. And he wrote a couple uh, draft uh, uh, elements and uh, it, it's spot on, it's really good. He's a seasoned senior uh, practitioner and he wants to, uh, to help with the newsletter. And he, he actually didn't even want me to mention him. He, he wanted me to kind of just be a ghostwriter, but that's not how I roll, right? So the newsletter is back on. I will be executive uh, director over the newsletter. So, you know, everything will be, um, or I'll be like senior editor or whatever you want to call it, whatever it is in the news industry that the person who like vets everything before it goes out. Uh, I'll still be that, but we're gonna get, I'm gonna get some help with the newsletter. It's, it's back on, uh, so look forward to that um, starting up hopefully uh, this Monday. So if you're interested, go to Simply Cyber. Actually, just do exclamation point newsletter in chat and you can get signed up for the newsletter. It's back, baby, it's back. All right, what other questions you got? Would you be willing to share a link to your dissertation? Yeah, sure, Jesse. One second, check this out. So I did my dissertation, um, I think in 2019. I got my PhD, my PhD was from 2015 to 2019. Um, here's my uh, PhD dissertation if you want. Thank you, uh, Kimberly. 
There you go, Jesse. Hopefully that you get that. Yeah, so this is my, this took me 18 months to write, research. There you go. Oh, I also, I, I also want you guys to see this in my acknowledgement. Um, of course, of course I thanked my wife immediately. I couldn't have gotten my PhD without her. I thanked my children. It was really tough um, for a couple years there where they, they really wanted to know why daddy wasn't around as much. But I, I want to call this out. Special thanks to the Midnight. Special thanks to the Midnight. <laughs> I love the Midnight. They made it into my uh, dissertation. <laughs> uh, so anyways, there you go. Oh, CTFs are good. Pursuit of Bliss, Adrian Harris. CTFs are good. I want to tell you the Nahamcon CTF, John Hammond said on uh, stream the other day, or I, I forget where he said it. He said it somewhere, that he intentionally designed, oh, it was on Nahamsek's video promoting the, the conference. Um, there are uh, CTF puzzles designed for newcomers. In fact, I think there might be an entire CTF branch for newcomers, so sign up for that. Uh... Oh, good. Jesse loves the midnight too. This is cool. Is this a new sign up for the? Yeah. So it, it's the same newsletter one. Catch EPT. We just have the one newsletter. I'm not that sophisticated <laughs> to have multiple. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, I, I will tell you guys. For me personally, CTFs are—they're um, like addictive. Like I actually stay away from CTFs only because. And if you see what happened with me in the um, the Prompt Magazine CTF the other day, like I started and then I become wholly consumed by it and I don't do anything for like hours and hours. Like I'll forget to like eat. I'll forget to like, like, like get dressed. I mean, not that I'm naked, but like if I'm in my pajamas and I happen to like stumble into a CTF, ugh, um, I'll miss, like if I go to a conference, I'll do the CTF, the whole, the whole conference. So be careful. CTFs are a gateway drug. We don't have to sign up again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, casually Joseph, Nahamsek. Nahamsek's cons CTF. Oh, Redbone, I love it. Do you know what, hey, do you know what I tried to play the other day? Um, if you want a really awesome, here, I'll tell you what. I couldn't find this on Spotify, but this is awesome. This is a wicked deep cut too, okay? DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist, Brain Freeze. I cannot, um, I can, I can't, hold on one second, this song. So listen to this, I'm gonna share this in chat. This right here was a 50-minute live, um, basically jam session between DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist live, and only they only used 45 LPs from 70s funk music, and it is an unbelievable album. It's not on Spotify. I don't think they ever sold it. It is unbelievable. I'm going to drop it in chat.
Nice. All right, what other jaw-jacking questions we got, guys? <laughs> Mark Louderback. First one's free, Mark. First CTF's free. I have a final interview with a cyber manager and CIO. Would be my first cyber role. Really nervous. Any advice? Lazaro, first of all, congratulations. Super congratulations to Lazaro. Um, one thing I would say, Lazaro, is this. Um... Um, I'll drop a link in chat, Lazaro. Check this out. What depends when your interview? Oh, thanks, Jesse. Um, Lazaro, I just released this video on the stream or on the channel like last week, uh, and this will tell. This will. This can give you a lot more comfort. This is how to use ChatGPT to dominate a. Um, a job interview also, Lazaro. Um, this one's really good, in my opinion. Uh, how can I search my own channel? Computer. Computer, how do I search you? Um, damn it. I have like a really good, I have a really good um, interview video. Oh, actually, this is a really good video too. Um, this is one of my more popular videos on the channel. This is actually Q&A, Lazaro. That one will help you out. And then this is a really good one, too. Um, this is like, an, look at this guy. Look at this young buck wearing the Boston Sox hat. Um, this video will show you, like, what the job interviewers are actually looking for, like, what they want to hear. Okay, there you go. There's three videos to give you a lot more comfort and confidence. So boogie on those. Thanks, ChatGPT. Anyone chat going? Oh, oh, guys, PNPT, check this out. Um, check this out. Thank you, uh, thank you, Jesse. I know you didn't mean to do that, but you just reminded me of something. This is, hey, for the 180 of you who are still here, you are about to get a real treat. Check this out. Um, give me a second. I got to find it. I get so many DMs, man. It's hard to sift. Um, so, okay. So I met this guy yesterday, um, named Craig Elrod, Elrod, and his company, uh, Hackerverse, they're giving away a... Um, PNPT voucher and I think if you do it um, a certain way you can actually win all the training classes that the, the five classes that lead up to PNPT listen guys I take it I, I don't know if you know this but I take it quite seriously um, I don't want to call it like insulating or shepherding the simply cyber community but like anything that I bring to you guys I, I, I vet first, right? So there's been plenty of things that have come across my desk that you guys never find out about because it's usually crap or I don't believe in it or it feels scammy or, or whatever it is. It can be a million different things, but like I, I'm like a gatekeeper for you for you guys, right? So I try to keep it like to be cool, valuable, interesting stuff. And um, this came across and I was like, I don't know about this. And I met with a guy last night and uh, we're actually gonna collaborate at Black Hat 
and I'm going to be on their podcast on July 7th. Like, I really like what this group's doing. Okay, so check this out. Um, they're called Hackerverse, and they're more offensive hacker-related, but you can sign up and get um, entered to win a PNPT voucher absolutely free. Um, PNT voucher giveaway, okay? So go check that out. Um, like I said, I did vet it. Um, there is a Discord server, um, which, you know, I, I did go check out. I don't know if um, the Discord server is like my particular jam personally, but, uh, you know, it is to each their own. Go check it out. <laughs> Thanks, Jess, Ben. We're always, we're always uh, trying to figure it out here. So anyways, go check that out if you're interested in a PNPT um, uh, voucher. Have you checked out the WG Online Bachelor and Master Program for Cyber? I like certs, they push during classes, but the price seems too good to be true. Elite Gunslinger, there's actually a lot of WGU people in chat. Um, Brandon McNulty, uh, is, is, um, is McNulty in here? No, I don't see him. Hold on one second. Brady, I called him Brandon. Sorry, Brady. Brady McNulty, Elite Gunslinger, connect with Brady McNulty on chat. Uh, Dombey Guy Justin's a WGU grad. Um, you can see right there in chat, WGU grads are all up in here. Matthew Pelkey's in there. I, I've spoken to the WGU Cyber Club twice, I think I've done live. Uh, I've done. Um, like speaking engagements, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, so they're they're legit. Holy crap, Sean Washington, where is the link for that? Can you share that in chat? Guys, by the way, let me know what you think. What'd you like? You know, we already, we just got some feedback that Ben, just Ben, liked the stream today. Again, I like to be a little bit more professional and polished, but like, let me know what you thought, guys. At the end of the day, even if it's like just me with a microphone yelling, um, I'm going to deliver the news every single day. I am so committed to the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I find, I believe that it, it, it is a public service that I need to deliver. Oh, oh, guys, really quickly, uh, Simply CyberCon. Um, I saw a bunch of you sharing uh, on LinkedIn yesterday. S sincerely appreciate that. Check this out. If you guys are interested, I know Nahamsek is uh, super cool, but Simply CyberCon, also super cool. If you guys are interested, here's the link to our conference. It's all about uh, community inclusion and good times, obviously, cybersecurity. Go, um... Go check out Simply Cybercom. What I want to call your attention to is if you scroll down, you can help spread the word. You guys, 171 of you right here, you 